So we are continuing this series we started last week as we are going to, I guess, kind of walking our way through the Gospel of Mark. Um, and we uh, it started last week as we started at the very beginning uh, of the Gospel, and we're going to be walking our way through the Gospel, through these different teachings and interactions with Jesus that's going to take us all the way to Easter morning. And uh, so we will conclude this series, again, Easter morning on Resurrection Sunday, um, as, as the Gospel concludes with the resurrection of Jesus, and that's where we will, again, end this series as well. Last week, we saw kind of the foundation of the gospel. Mark is one of the four gospels in the Bible that tells us the story of Jesus' life. And Mark, just like all of the different writers, comes with a little different perspective. And Mark, two of the gospel writers were disciples, two of them were not. Mark is one of them that was not a disciple that was directly connected to Jesus. Um, But Mark uh, is commonly believed to be uh, a close associate of Peter. And so he was working along with the apostles and with his ministry as they uh, started the church in the first century church. And and as the the good news of Jesus spread throughout throughout the the world, again, he worked closely with Peter. Um, He he was the first one to write down a gospel. Before that, it was always just oral tradition and stories that were told. Uh, Mark wrote down, it's uh, again much of likely what Peter was teaching and, and telling people as he's sharing the, about the life of Jesus. Um, Mark writes us a very brief but powerful version of Jesus' life. Again, this, it is the shortest gospel, and it's one where Mark focuses more on where Jesus went and what he did on just the events of his life and not so much on his words and teachings. Okay, and so we get kind of the, the surface level, like I said, in a lot more events from Mark. Um, but he teaches in bullet points. Um, and yet, um, he, he does explain for us some of the Jewish customs um, a little deeper than other writers because this was originally written down for a Gentile audience. And so ones, again, that were not Jews that did not understand all the customs, and that's helpful for us, right? Because like, we're not Jewish, right? We do not celebrate the Jewish holidays and customs. So that is helpful for us. And we'll see that today as he explains a little deeper some of these concepts in our text for today. Hey, also during this time uh, in this region around Rome, um, it was persecution was very high. Hey, King Nero was a ruthless leader, and he demanded complete devotion and even worship of himself because he believed that he himself was a god. Hey, and yet Mark, and to his audience, and was of course um, telling a, a different story than what the, the King Nero was saying at this time and within the Roman rule. Uh, and we see that from the very beginning, uh, from the very first statement of the gospel in, in Mark chapter 1, uh, verse 1, where he says, he says, this is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And from the very first sentence in the first verse, Mark draws a line in the sand. Right, and says, you know what? We do not believe that King Nero is a God. We do not believe that there's lots of God. We believe there's one God. God sent his son to earth as the Messiah, and that was Jesus Christ. Okay, there was no wiggle room in this claim, right? And yet Mark starts here and says, Jesus Christ is God. He is the chosen Messiah, and he has all the authority. Okay, and, he, and it starts this theme that we see play out throughout the entire gospel as he examines this question. Right, of who or what do you give authority to in your life? 
Right, who or what do you give authority to in your life? Again, he, he lays out the statement in verse 1 saying that Jesus is, is the Messiah. He's the Son of God, and he deserves the authority. And do you give it to anything else, whether it's King Nero or, or a list of other things that we can give authority to in our life? He's saying Jesus deserves ultimate authority. Last week, we saw um, several different reactions to Jesus. Right? And, and, and again, how do they view him? Um, we saw John the Baptist in complete devotion and to, where, uh, to the crowds and to the, to the demonic figures, as well as the religious leaders and the Pharisees and, and the way that they reacted to Jesus. And their reactions were all over the board. Right? And in that, we also saw, again, from the disciples, as he calls the first disciples, and we ended last week as when Mark gives us the, the exhaustive list Right, of all 12 disciples. And we saw, again, even in that list, we see their first reaction to Jesus was, again, all over the board. They had all kinds of intentions and different things going on in their lives. But yet Jesus extends to them an invitation to follow. Right? And Jesus says, you know what? I, I know you're all over the place. You, you don't even know everything that you're committing to or signing up for. But if you will just follow me, Right? And, and learn and grow in the things that I will teach you, right? that I will change your life forever. And we see that these disciples, they, they took that invitation and they decided to follow. And then they started on this journey with Jesus. Now, it's a journey that we're walking with them all the way to the death and resurrection at the end of the gospel. So today, as we, as we look at, think about this concept we saw last week, all these different reactions to Jesus, we're going to, I'm going to be reading this morning from Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20, and that's going to be our, our text for this morning. If you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open with me to Mark chapter 4. If you don't have your own Bible or don't have it with you today, there are Bibles provided for you in the seat pockets. You're welcome to use one of those. And you'll notice on the outline is the page number where you can find this passage in those Bibles. So as we uh, open up to Mark chapter 4, um, we're going to read verses 1 through 20. And uh, as we start off, this, this parable teaches a very similar lesson that we saw last week with these different reactions to Jesus, but yet comes from a very different angle. So we're going to read this parable, uh, Mark chapter 4, starting at verse 1, where it says, Once again, Jesus began teaching by the lakeshore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him, and so he got into a boat. And then he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. He taught them by telling many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across the field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as had been planted. And then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Later, when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples and with others who were gathered around, they asked him what the parables meant. And he replied, you are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God, but I use parables for everything I say to outsiders so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven. 
And then Jesus said to them, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all of the other parables? The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire of other things, so no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. Okay, so as we read this story, again, and this parable of Jesus, um, again, he, he teaches in a lot of parables. This is what it says, right? He taught many parables, okay? Not just this one, okay? And, and here's the deal with parables. Jesus teaches in stories, I think for several reasons, right? One of them is to fulfill the prophecy that we're given. And Jesus even quotes some Old Testament prophecies here, right? And he's explaining to the disciples, like, this is why he's teaching parables, because God's word says I was going to, so that's what I do, Okay, but also when we think about this concept is that we remember stories and experiences better than we remember lectures from a teacher. Again, I don't know about you, but I remember, I can tell a story and I can remember that for years to come, and yet I have no idea what my, you know, um, professor taught in Psychology 101 my freshman year of college. I know it's a shocker, but I don't remember that lecture, right? But again, I think God knows we remember stories. Okay, and we, we can learn from those stories because if we remember it, we can, we can apply it better and live it out better. Again, um, a parable is a story that illustrates a bigger concept. So the, the, the items, the characters, everything within a parable in this story represents something bigger or deeper or to, to teach us a, a, a spiritual concept. So Jesus is teaching us this, and again, he goes in and starts telling the disciples, hey, you guys need to understand these stories, right? Because some people are not going to understand them, but you need to, okay? Because you need to learn these things, and you need to live these things out as you continue through this journey that I've invited you into. In fact, in, in chapter 4, verse 9, Jesus says, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Now, as Jesus makes this statement at the end of this parable, okay, he's, um, he's, he's telling us something much deeper than the obvious application. Now, the obvious application, right, is like, well, I have ears, so I should hear it, right? And I should, I should dive into this. Now, again, the entire crowd that heard this story has ears. That's not the point, right? But the point is that Jesus is telling the disciples that there's a difference between hearing something and listening to something. There's a big difference between hearing and listening, right? Everybody can hear it, but to many, it's, it's, just, it's just a cool story, right? But you need to listen and understand. You need to go deeper into this, okay? And, and, and he's inviting us to go deeper, okay? Jesus points out, again, that some people will only hear but others will have a desire to listen and understand. Okay, and he's inviting them and he's inviting us to say, there's more to this story 
Okay? And you need to go deeper, but it's a choice you have to make because there's a difference between just hearing something and truly listening. Again, we, this concept plays out in our lives all the time. I mean, the difference between hearing and listening. Right? Again, if, um, just ask any wife. There is a difference between listening and hearing. Right? We, we know this. In fact, now again, there, there is no perfect marriage. Okay? Every marriage has problems or issues or disagreements. Again, if, you, if your goal is a perfect marriage, you, that is a fallacy. Okay, but the, the difference between a bad marriage and a good marriage is that in a good marriage, you can work through the times when only hearing happens and not listening. Okay, because those things happen, right? Guys, we know this is true. We're guilty of this more than ladies are. Okay, so much. Many marital problems stem from this issue, right? Just like these guys as they talk to each other. I said, my wife said that I don't listen to her. At least I think that's what she said. I see all the guys laughed at this and all the ladies were like, yep. Right? We know this concept. There's a difference between hearing and listening. Okay? And yet Jesus is telling the disciples, he says, hey, don't just hear these stories. Right? But you need to dive deeper into this. Okay? And then in, in verses 10 through 13, Jesus goes in to the disciples and this other smaller group of people, and he explains to them, number one, why he talks in parables. Okay? And, then, and then he says to them, Right in verse 13, where he says, then Jesus says, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? Okay, and so therefore, Jesus tells them right, that this one is very foundational. Right? This is a concept that you need to understand because this parable will unlock many of the other ones. And with this, again, um, this foundational parable that Jesus teaches Right? Jesus is training the disciples to listen and to understand and apply his teaching. And he says, you need to get this one right. Okay? And, and if you get this one right, then, then you, we can build on that and you can learn how to, how to interpret these parables. Okay? So this parable is very foundational. And then in the following verses, right, Jesus goes in and actually gives them the answer to this question. And again, I don't know, um, you know, as you, and that's the best way we learn. Sometimes it's not about the answer. It's about the process to get to the answer that is most important. But if you remember in school, I don't know how long it took you to realize, but I figured it out pretty quickly that the answers are in the back of the math book. Right? If, if you just flip to the end, there's the answers to your homework are there. Right? Because again, math is not so much about getting the right answer. It's about learning the concept of how to get to the right answer. Right? And so Jesus is teaching the disciples, hey, you've got to learn. He's training them. He says, this is how you interpret parables. And so he gives them the answer to this one. Again, but it starts with a desire to listen and to not just merely listen, but to learn. And the more that we learn, the more we understand. And the more we understand, the more that we can live out these concepts and our lives will be transformed. Again, Jesus is teaching them how to be transformed and how their hearts will be changed. Okay, and that is what Jesus' intention is for us as he invites us to follow him along with the disciples. Right, everybody is welcome on the journey. Now, wherever you are, you can come. Right, but Jesus will take you out wherever you are, but he does not expect you to stay the same. He, he expects you to journey forward. He expects you to be transformed, to learn, to understand 
and to change, to be more like him tomorrow than you are today. Right, and as we learn this concept, and, and he invites, again, the, the disciples into this, and he invites us into that, then he gives us the answer. Here's the answer to this parable. Okay, Jesus presents four different outcomes of God's word in our life. Again, he says, the seed represents God's word. It's his truth. It's being spread out into the world. Okay, and then he gives four different options or outcomes of God's word in our life. The first one he gives is the footpath. Okay, and on the footpath, he says that God's word um, is snatched away and it has no effect. Again, the, the, a footpath is, means that it's hard. It's been trampled down. The, the ground is, is, has a shell on it, right? Nothing penetrates. And again, this is representative, again, of our hearts, of somebody who hears God's word with a hard heart and it has zero effect on them. Right? It does not change them whatsoever. Right? And that's exactly, again, what Jesus says, right? He says the truth is spread out, it hits their heart, and it bounces right off, and it just gets snapped away, right? And it's gone. It, it has no effect. Okay, and then the next one he gives is the shallow soil. And this is where he says there's rock under it. Now, again, God's word here does penetrate the dirt. It, it germinates. It, it actually brings something into their life. And it, but it, it, that, it, what it brings is quick growth and lots of excitement. And yet, as it grows up, the first sign of trouble or persecution or something doesn't go their way or like, man, I thought my life was going to be perfect after I received Christ and now it's not. As soon as anything like that happens, just as quickly as they grew, just as quickly they abandon it and fall away. It comes with initial growth and excitement, and yet as soon as there's any kind of trouble, they just jump ship right away. They fall away. It's shallow soil. It has no root. Right? As soon as anything comes, it gets destroyed. The next option that he gives us is the thorn. Okay, and this is ground, again, that, that receives the seed. Right? It, it grows. In fact, it's consistent growth. Right? The plant um, is, is there. It sustains. It's, it's, it's around for a long time. But it yields no tangible result. It's saying that, yes, the truth of God's word is there, is in this person's life, it's in their heart, but yet there's so many other things that are around it as well. Right? There's these thorn bushes that, and, and these other things that are crowding it out. Not only it's, it's, it's robbing the soil of nutrients that should be going to, to the, the plant, and yet the, the thorns are taking that nutrients. The, the thorns grow up and shade it, and it doesn't get all the sunlight that it needs, and there's so many distractions and other things pulling at this person's heart that God's word is there, but it has no tangible result, right? It, it never grows to maturity. It never is ready for harvest, right? It's there, but no tangible result. And growth is stifled because of all of the distractions. And then we see that the last option that Jesus presents, and that is fertile soil. Okay, now fertile soil is where, again, the same plant grows up, there's sustained growth, it continues to grow, but it grows to maturity, right, to where it actually reproduces. But not only does it reproduce, it's not a one-to-one, -one, right, but Jesus describes it produces a miraculous increase. 
right? It, just as we see this, as Jesus describes it in the fertile soil, again, it's miraculous. God's power will produce more in our life than we could ever produce on our own. Because with God, the math doesn't make sense. Right? God's power will produce way more in our life than we could ever produce on our own. A hundred times as much is miraculous. There's only one way that happens. And that is by the power of God being unleashed in our lives and our hearts with miraculous results. Right? We accomplish things that we could never accomplish on our own. Right? And then this increase right, is not only miraculous, but it, it, this increase happens in our life. Again, and this increase can manifest itself in many ways. It can manifest itself as joy as healthy relationships, as wisdom, as faith, as et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all kinds of things that the Bible describes that we will gain in our life if we follow Jesus and if we live out his truth. Right? Our lives will increase. It will be miraculously better right? if we can remain in fertile soil and, and let God's truth and his word permeate every part of our life. Now, as we look at these four outcomes, that Jesus describes of his word in our life. Okay, is, is, it's easy to sit back and look at these and to be like, um, oh, I know the person is that one. Oh, that, I wish this person was, would read this parable. Right? And as we look back and see that, it's, it's easy for us to see one, all those stops. And, and again, it's easy for us to be like, I'm fertile soil. I got this. Right? But also, though, it's easy for us to look at this and to say, man, what if, I'm, what if I'm not fertile soil? And this could very easily be a, a discouragement. Or like, man, my life is so full of weeds and thorns. Like, I, I have no hope. But that's not what Jesus is teaching us here. In fact, these represent possible stops along the journey, not a permanent condition of our heart. Even if you are the footpath, even if you have an incredibly hard heart against God and the truth of who he is, Right? God will still say, yeah, come. Like, remember, God's word is still going out on the footpath. It's what the footpath does not have to stay the footpath. This is what the farmer can decide, hey, no, I'm going I'm to break up the footpath. I'm going I'm to till it back up. I'm going to fertilize it. I'm going to plow it up, and I'm going to plant seed there, and it will grow. Right? It is not a permanent condition of your heart. Even if you're the footpath, if you're the shallow soil, if, if you, you've kind of come and you're excited and then you fall away, yeah, you don't have to stay there. Right? Jesus is teaching us that we can journey forward to towards fertile soil. Okay? It is not a permanent destination. Jesus' invitation for us to follow means that we will potentially fumble through each of these phases as a part of our own faith journey. But God wants to see growth, not perfection. Right, God wants to see you move forward in your life and in your faith. Which leads us back to this original question. Right, who or what do you give authority to in your life? Because that's the real difference between these four conditions. Is who gets authority in our life or what gets authority in our life. Right, on, on the footpath, right, a hard heart gives authority to anything other than God. Right, I'll listen to anything as long as it's not about God. Right, the thorns gives authority some authority to God, but it is divided among many things. In fact, um, Jesus gives us this list on the thorns, right, of worry and wealth, desire for other things. I mean, Jesus shows us that. 
Okay, the rocky soil, which is the one that I skipped. Okay, it gives authority or anything that sounds good in the moment. Okay, they show up at church and say, yeah, God's awesome, that's great. And then they leave and somebody else says something else and they just follow that one with as much zeal and intensity. All right, so the footpath gives authority to anything but God. Rocky soil gives authority to, to anything that sounds good in the moment. Thorns gives authority to God, but it's divided among many things. And then the fertile soil gives the ultimate authority to God. And everything else falls in line behind it. If we stay in any of these places, it is our choice. Because everybody is welcome on the journey. Right, you can come and join the journey of faith no matter where your heart is right now, whichever condition you're in. But yet, moving forward in our faith is how your heart is turned into fertile soil. Right? It is not a permanent destination. Again, and even with that said, the destination of our journey is not fertile soil. The destination of our journey is Jesus Christ. Okay, to be more like him tomorrow than we are today. To live a, more of a life of holiness tomorrow than we do today. To continue to, to, to grow and change and be transformed by Jesus. He's our example to follow. He is the destination of our journey, not fertile soil. Because right, it would be easy to be like, yep, I arrived. I'm at fertile soil. I can kick back. That's not true. Right, in fact, later in this gospel, in, in chapter 7, Jesus um, has one of his many interactions with the religious leaders and Pharisees of the day. Okay, and he has something to tell them about the condition of their hearts. Okay, we're going to read this story in Mark chapter 7. Verses 1 through 23. So Mark chapter 7, 1 through 23. Okay, where it says this. One day some Pharisees and teachers of religious law arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They noticed that some of his disciples failed to follow the Jewish ritual of hand washing before eating. The Jews, especially the Pharisees, do not eat until they have poured water over their cupped hands as required by their ancient tradition. Similarly, they don't eat anything from the market until they immerse their hands in water. This is but one of many traditions that they have clung to, such as their ceremonial washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of religious law asked him, why don't your disciples follow your age-old tradition? They eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony. And Jesus replied, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. For you ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition. And then he said, you skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your own tradition. For instance, Moses gave you this law from God. Honor your father and mother, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you say it is all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you, for I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. And in this way, you let them disregard their needy parents. And so you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. And this is only one example among many others. And then Jesus called to the crowd to come and to hear. All of you listen, he said, and try to understand. It's not what goes into your body that defiles you, you are defiled by what comes from your heart. And then Jesus went into a house to get away from the crowd, and his disciples asked him what he meant by the parable he had just used. 
Don't you understand either, he asked. Can't you see that the food you put into your body cannot defile you? Food doesn't go into your heart, but only passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. And by saying this, he declared that every kind of food is acceptable in God's eye. And then he added, it is what comes from inside that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within, and they are what defile you. I wish Jesus was a little more clear with these Pharisees. Right, as we read this in this interaction, right, again, as remember, Jesus was training the disciples to figure out Right, and interpret all these parables, and yet he has this interaction with them, and he kind of calls them out, right? and then the, the disciples sit down, and they're like, hey, Jesus, what did you mean by that parable? Like, we didn't get it. Okay, and yet remember, Jesus says this one was foundational, and now we're going to build on top of it. It's the key to all these other ones. Right? And then Jesus explains this to them, right? and this is the concept that he's teaching the Pharisees and the disciples and us is that fertile soil will not stay fertile if we don't continue to journey forward with God as our ultimate authority. Fertile soil will not stay fertile if God is not our ultimate authority. If we do not continue to grow and, and learn and, and uh, plant into our faith, is we will not stay fertile soil. Again, he tells them, he says, you are putting more authority into your traditions and your laws than you are in God's word. He tells them, right, that, that, guys, these traditions, they were not bad when you started these traditions. They were started for the right reason, right? And they were focused on God, but yet over time, the focus has drifted away from God's word, why they were started, to the tradition itself. And he, he told them, he's like, now you've traded it. You've traded the authority of God's word for to keep your own tradition." Because the focus had shifted over time. And he was telling them, right? He tells them in multiple times, in verses 9 and in verse 13. He says, you skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold your own tradition. And so you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. And this is only one example among many others. Like, that part probably stings the most, right? Like, he, he calls this one thing out. He's like, oh, by the way, this is just one example. I mean, I could keep going. Right? And then he, he tells them, right, that the law of the harvest is happening in your life. Now, the law of the harvest is a concept that we see all through Scripture. The law of the harvest is you will harvest what you plant. You will harvest what you plant. If, if you plant God's word, and that's what Jesus was telling us to do, right, to plant God's word in our heart. If you plant God's word, then you will get out God's truth and God's blessings. But if you plant anything else, then that's what you'll get. If you plant tradition, that's what you end up with, more tradition. Right? If you plant bitterness, you'll get bitterness out in your life. If you plant good things, you'll get good things. If you plant bad things, you'll get bad things. That's the law of the harvest. And Jesus is telling them, guys, you, you at one point were fertile soil. The, these traditions were good. Right? But, but now you're planting tradition instead of God's word. Right? It has shifted. Now the law of harvest is always true. Most of the time. 
The law of the harvest is always true. If you plant good things, you'll get good things. If you plant bad things, you'll get bad things. Now, the law of the harvest is always true, except if you plant nothing. What happens if you plant nothing in fertile soil? You don't get nothing. If you plant nothing in fertile soil, you get weeds. The law of the harvest is always true unless you plant nothing. Right? And Jesus was telling the Pharisees, he's like, guys, your, your hearts are fertile soil, but now you're so stuck on planting nothing in your life, you're so focused on this, you are getting weeds. And your heart will not stay fertile soil unless you plant God's word in it. Because if you plant nothing, you will go back to thorns and weeds. Jesus was telling them, he's like, guys, you have missed the point. Right? And you have planted nothing. And now your lives are full of weeds. And in verses 14 and 15, right, then Jesus tells the crowd, he says, come in here, all of you listen and try to understand. Right, it's not what goes into your body that defiles you, it's you're defiled by what comes from your heart. He says the condition of your heart is a really big deal. And even fertile soil, if you get to fertile soil, you have to continue to plant and continue to grow, and continue to move forward in your journey. Otherwise, you will drift away, and you'll end up with weeds and thorns. Jesus tells us, plant good things in your heart, and your life will move in a good direction towards fertile soil. Even if you accomplish fertile soil in your life, it still needs to be cultivated, and fertilized, and planted, and harvested in order to stay fertile soil. Which leads us then to our final thought this morning, and that's this. That Jesus invites us into a journey that will transform us from the inside out. What's the condition of your heart? What's the real condition of your heart? Is it a footpath? Is it rocky soil? Is it full of weeds and thorns? Or is it fertile soil? And no matter where it is, we have to continue to journey forward. Because the destination of our journey is not fertile soil. It is Jesus Christ. And again, I don't know where your heart is today, but I hope that you will take a step towards fertile soil or a step towards staying fertile in your life today. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, I hope that you will pray and confess your sins and ask him in your life today, because that's a big step towards fertile soil. But even if you received him as your Savior, I hope you will continue to journey forward in your life and in your faith and cultivate your heart, because from your heart, everything else comes. Lord God, that's our prayer today. God, our soul cries out to you. God, and pray that you would transform us from the inside out. God, because we know that from our heart, where it comes the results of our life. And God, I pray today that, Lord, you would move us closer to fertile soil today. God, that no matter where our heart currently is, God, that we would take a step forward towards you. God, may your power be unleashed in our hearts and our lives. God, that as we can continue to journey forward in our faith, knowing that that's the best witness for you, is to show this world what it's like to really follow you from the way we live our lives. And God, I pray that you will continue to guide us, Lord, as we journey towards Easter. Lord, as we prepare our own hearts, Lord, for the celebration of the resurrection. Lord, to give us the courage to continue to pray for those around us, Lord, and to take the opportunities to have the spiritual conversation, to extend the invitation. God, just to show them who you are through us. Lord, guide us this week 
as we continue to journey forward in our faith. And God, to see those miraculous results. Guide us as we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.